Good morning and welcome to Start Your Week from the Bunker. I'm Andrew Harrison. Today, negotiations are increasingly acrimonious and they seem to be going down to the wire. The government stands accused of being unrealistic, dictatorial and disrespectful and of willfully disregarding the consequences of its actions. Yes, it's the negotiations on COVID restrictions with Manchester. Who'd have thought our famously conciliatory government could fall out with anybody? Oh, and there is also the small matter of more on the endless undead Brexit talks too. Here to tell us what's coming up this week with high heart and complete confidence is Alex Andreo. Good morning, Alex. How are you? Good morning. I'm fine. It's a bit early for this kind of thing. It's all right. It's always a bit early for this kind of thing, to be honest. It is. Let, let's start off with the EU trade talks. So on Friday, Johnson announced that they were over and Britain should prepare for no deal. And Dominic Cummings was briefed away, saying it's all the EU's fault. And this week, the two sides are talking by phone, and it's just like nothing happened. Was this all just theatre? I mean, there is a school of thought that uh, uh, it is just theatre, that it actually means that the talk is very close. So both Mm. sides are trying to look really tough to their uh, own constituents before eventually doing a deal, both of whom will claim as a victory. That is one uh, school of thought. It's not the only school of thought. (laughs) There is another school of thought that says talks have gone badly wrong. The UK expressed surprise at the EU's tough stance. The EU expressed surprise at the UK's tough stance. And I'm not sure whether they were aiming for something and overshot and actually put themselves in a difficult position politically, both sides, I mean. The core of Johnson's argument is that the EU won't give Britain this Canada deal. And the oven-ready deal wasn't a Canada deal anyway, was it? I mean, the talk amongst the kind of people who listen to podcasts like this is that they are trying to engineer a no deal and that no deal was the plan all along. Does behaviour during the talks bear that out? Um. Okay, so the first thing to say is that the UK hasn't asked for a Canada deal. Mm. It's asked for a Canada plus a little bit of Mexico, plus a little bit of uh, Switzerland, plus a little bit of Norway. Um, Fusion cuisine. Yes. Uh, so, so I think it's disingenuous to say that all we want is a Canada deal uh, and they won't give it to us. The second thing to say is that uh, they may not necessarily have offered you a Canada deal In any case, I mean, Canada, although it is a vast country, it is a tiny economy compared to the UK's. And geographically, obviously, it's much further away, which makes imports and exports of certain things more costly and more difficult. So what I'm trying to say is that there are non-tariff structural barriers when you're doing a deal with a country that's far away which are not there when you're doing a deal with a country that's actually on your border. So when a country is on your border, you may want to impose non-tariff barriers if you think that that country is going to act anti-competitively. So this is where we're stuck at the moment. Effectively, the UK needs reassurance that the EU won't try to keep imposing its own rules, and the EU wants reassurance that if they don't go in heavy-handed, the UK won't break the rules. This won't be in the text of the treaty. This can only come with a level of trust between the sides, and it's that level of trust that's been seriously, seriously undermined over the last month or so, especially with the Internal Markets Bill. 
we'll come to that in a sec. But what what about that question of the widespread suspicion and belief that this that they are trying to engineer no deal that that was what was always wanted? Do you think that events have borne that out? Do you think that they ever really did want that? Do you think do you think that they created this thing as a, a negotiating threat and it's kind of come alive in their hands? Um, I, I think it's a mistake to consider they uh, a uniform entity. There will be people in, you know, the Brexit movement. There will be people in the Tory party, and there will be people in Downing Street who want uh, a No Deal exit, and there will be people who don't. Um, so it's always been a tussle between the two sides. Um, I think faced with the reality of contingency planning for No Deal. Johnson is getting slightly jittery about it. That That's just my sense from watching him speak and watching his press conferences. And I also think he's beginning to lose a little bit of confidence in Dominic Cummings. If you just read between the lines, there's a, there's a, a sense that I'm constantly getting from him of, you told me if I did X, they would do Y, and that's not what they did. You know, and that's been, I think, a constant feature in the last few weeks. If Dominic Cummings told you to put your hand in the fire, would you put your hand in the fire, Boris? I don't know whether it's one of those situations. I do think there was one of those, you could tell from his um, his demeanour in that announcement on Friday, he was kind of on the edge of this embarrassed smirk, wasn't he? He was very nearly smiling in a way that Boris Johnson does when he wants to telegraph that it's all a bit of a joke. And clearly yeah. it yeah. isn't. It's coming it's coming down to the wire. I mean we keep circling back to this thing that you know the EU needs to change its stance, its fisheries and, and state aid. Is it really about material concessions? Is it really about, you know, things that will be written into a treaty? Or is it about the presentation of, you know, who's come out on top? Is it uh, is it about the packaging? I, I no, I think it's about I think it's about the UK still even at this stage, even uh, sort of uh, fewer than two months before, vacillating about what sort of Brexit it wants. I genuinely think that is at the core of things. The UK still hasn't decided whether it wants to cut all ties or whether it wants full access to the single market, which will mean some sort of uniformity of rules, which will mean some sort of arbitration mechanism. There is no way around this. There has never been a way around this. I've been saying this since June 2016. If you want full, tariff-free, quota-free access to a, 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 a big block market, you will have to align with their rules. And if you agree to align with the rules, there will have to be a mechanism to decide whether you are aligning with the rules. There is literally zero way of solving that without those elements. There's a a story in Bloomberg this morning that uh, Britain could remove one sticking point by quietly rewriting the internal markets bill, which goes to the Lords this week, by taking out the clauses that relate to Northern Ireland. Uh, and kind of unilateral rights to do, for Britain to do things in Northern Ireland. What did you make of that? Because it's it's kind of an odd story, isn't it? Yeah, I, I wasn't sure what narrative the, the story was pushing because it seemed to be saying both that uh, Johnson may agree as part of the talks, which aren't happening, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. So, so 
they were very clear to say that we will be talking to each other, but these aren't talks. <laughs> <laughs> it depends what you mean by is. <laughs> so so they're, they're talking, but they aren't talks. Um, so the, the Bloomberg story was saying that maybe uh, Johnson will agree to amend the internal market bill as part of the talks, uh, but also that the Lords may rewrite it for him. And I guess what they may be suggesting is that if the Lords rewrote the internal market bill for Johnson, he may not be that cut up about it. And he also gets a little, the elites are still controlling Britain. Bonus yeah, yeah, yeah. The cash in in the future. Bloody, bloody Lords did it. Not my fault. Yes, of course. Barnier says there's going to be three more weeks of talks. Sources from Britain, Dominic, think they'll end on the 12th of November, according to the FT. That takes us to the other side of the US presidential election, possibly. Would a Biden presidency, possibly, touch wood, change things? Would that be the thing that kind of broke the chocolate orange? Mm, I'm not sure, uh, because I'm not sure the result of the US election will be that clear uh, in the week following it. So, but we'll we'll talk about that in a bit. I have to say, you know, I have to blow my own trumpet. If you look at my, <laughs> if you look at my feed, the twelfth of November was um, uh, first, I think, uh, floated by me through a commission contact, um, who told me basically they were hoping to have the outline of a deal by the sixth of November with a, an emergency EU summit uh, being called on the 12th to give it their blessing. Uh, that same contact also said to me that they may continue to uh, uh, to work on the final text of the treaty, if that makes sense, all the way up to the end of December and simply build a clause within that treaty that says there is a two-month or three-month ratification period during which nothing changes. Certainly there are people within the Commission who think that even if a deal is agreed uh, in its fine detail, at the very last minute, there are mechanisms to allow it to be ratified at the beginning of 2021. So it's Glenn Close at the end of Fatal Attraction. It's never going away. <laughs> I will, Dan, I will not be ignored, I think are her words. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, it, I mean, it, it's going to be, it's going to be a, an interesting week ahead, but I don't think we will see a, a much movement this coming week uh, on the EU. EU deal, not officially. So we, we, we may see a, a softening of attitudes in particular areas, but we, we're not going to get a, a, a white smoke signal this week, I think. Okay, let's move on to those regional COVID restrictions. Manchester still negotiating. Wales is considering a two-week circuit breaker. First, what, what do you expect to happen in this kind of standoff with uh, Manchester in particular, where different regions have been offered different arrangements, different incentives? Liverpool's very unhappy that gyms can stay open in Lancashire. It's like so many special arrangements have been made that nobody mm. really knows what's applicable in their area. What do you expect going to shake out this week? I think there is a general acceptance uh, from both uh, you know the the local governments 
end from Downing Street that there needs to be an inter- in intensification of the measures. So I think it will happen. They're, they're basically haggling over money. And th- there are some briefings this morning that an amount has been promised and that uh, Andy Burnham had a constructive discussion with Johnson's team yesterday and that they will resume talks today. It's difficult not to draw parallels with uh, with the EU situation. Uh, I think Downing Street has mistaken an 80-seat majority in Parliament with a situation where they actually don't need anyone's consent to govern. Um, I, th- I think you need a really different percentage of people to win uh, to what you need in order to govern. And they're finding that out now that there are, you know, that you need to take people with you um, on on uh, on certain issues. Well, part of that is this kind of strange rebellion by Northern Conservative MPs who are equally enraged, and we've even heard of this Northern Research Group that's been formed, the NRG, which makes me think of Adamski. Yeah. Um, you know, it looks an awful lot like the government is being reactive on every single front. You know, if Wales goes for a circuit breaker, the pressure will be on for England to have to follow. Already, more than half of the population of England, I believe, are under under uh, tier two or tier three restrictions. It, it, is there a way out of being just carried along by events for John by, for Johnson? Um, yes, and the way is to be more consultative and to um, to have people's buy in. To your actions, which is not their style at all. So, so this is where they're really struggling. Um, reportedly, the meeting with northern leaders last week started with the minister telling them, "We're doing this, whether you like to or not." So, we might you might as well agree to it. Um, that doesn't seem to me to indicate a group of people who have the first fucking clue as to how to conduct a stakeholder meeting. I mean, I think it's going to be difficult times ahead. The other thing that's important to say is that we're seeing a repeat of March. Um, in many ways, the government is dithering over measures that they should have introduced a month ago. Um, and, and so I think, you know, we're, we're bound to see a situation where um, hospitals begin to fill up, I'm afraid. There's going to be a fun banana skin waiting on Thursday because the Metro mayors... Andy Burnham, Steve Rotherham from Liverpool, North of Tynes, Jamie Driscoll and West of England's Tim Bowles will be given evidence at the Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy Committee's levelling up inquiry, irony alert. <laughs> so they're going to be talking about levelling up just as they're fighting with the government over uh, financial support for shutting those regions down. Do you think that one's going to be a popcorn moment? Um, yeah, I think it, it will be an interesting one to watch because uh, obviously, you know, the committees are, they are cross-party, but they contain MPs who are partisan. And so it gives them the opportunity to ask questions that are open enough uh, to give a, a pulpit to uh, those regional leaders to say their piece. What do you think of certain disgruntled Labour members who've decided that Andy Burnham is the leader of the opposition? And so is Jacinda Ardern. I think that's fine. I, I mean, I think he, I, I like both Andy Burnham and Jacinda Ardern, and I like Keir Starmer. 
the, uh, I don't think <laughs> you very I, nearly went full Harry Hill there. You well, were about to say there's only one way to find out which is the yes, best. fight, fight, fight. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I I just think you have to get out of the 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 sort of polarize the the binary way of thinking that there can only be one um idol this isn't fucking highlander <laughs> people need to people need to grow up more than one person um can be doing good things there isn't an exclusivity in good ideas it'll never catch on <laughs> i like andy burner because he, lo- he looks like stephen morris from new order <laughs> never mind that Finally, on Thursday, we've got the last U.S. presidential debate and only the second face-to-face between Trump and Biden. Are you expecting anything of consequence? Or, you know, this could be Trump's last stand, couldn't it? Are we going to just get more crazy uncle or will it be, can he stay on, on message, whatever message is supposed to be? I mean, I think it is Trump's last stand in that he needs a, he needs a, a sort of game-changing moment uh, because he's really quite far behind at the moment. And... My sense is that after what happened in 2016 with Hillary Clinton, and we know this to be true from the 2017 versus the 2019 elections in the UK. So in 2017, pollsters underestimated the Labour vote. So they adjusted for that in 2019, which meant Labour lost by more than the polls predicted. So in 2017, they did better than the polls predicted. The polls tried to adjust and got it wrong the other way. And I think, uh, what I sense is that this is what's happening in the States at the moment. I think Biden has an even larger lead than the polls um, indicate. That doesn't mean there are not counterfactuals. There are. Um, and and people really shouldn't rest on their laurels if I were campaigning in the U.S. For instance, the states which allow you to register as a voter by party affiliation, and there are many because that's how they do their primaries, they show that uh, significantly more new Republicans have been registering to vote than Democrats. This may be significant. So... There are there are things pointing to a situation where uh, Trump uh, loses the the total vote by even more than last time, but somehow manages to engineer a narrow win in enough contested states that he clings on to power. There's even a scenario where there's a draw. I don't know if you do you know about that. In the Electoral College, yeah, dead heat. So they can be a dead... There is actually a, a scenario uh, looking at how the votes stack up where they get 269 each, uh, which means that it's then the House of Representatives that will have to resolve it. And that has actually happened in 1800 between uh, Jefferson and Burr. And it took it took the, the uh, House of Representatives 37 attempts to uh, uh, decide who was going to be president, the, thir- the first 36 being also dead heats in the House of Representatives. And if I were to predict anything in this insane soap opera we're living, it would probably be that, the most unlikely possible thing. Why not? Ah, uh, it's only Monday and we've already ruined everybody's roof. <laughs> anyway. No, but I, I, I mean, I think... 
you know, every indicator is actually, if you took away the paranoia of what happened in 2016, every single indicator shows that Biden's going to win and win big. That's what the facts say, Alex. But, you know, facts. What are facts? Yeah. What's, what's, what's data? Yeah. You know, I guess we'll find out. Anyway, anything else you're worried about this week? I'm worried about Liverpool versus Ajax without Virgil van Dijk. Oh, <laughs> you're a Spurs fan. You must have enjoyed the West Ham game. I am enjoying the return of football. I have to say I have really, really missed it. And it's nice to Gareth Bale again. <laughs> the only thing that uh, stands out to me uh, this week is how the COVID stuff is going to be resolved. I think uh, we're about to go into a, a deeper lockdown. I think regions, uh, so there's a sense that Wales may even today announce that they're going for a full circuit breaker. Yeah. Um, and, and Scotland has already moved that way. What happens if Wales go for a for a circuit breaker and a week down the line, it seems to be working. The pressure on the English administration to do likewise will be immense. So uh, I, I, I really think there's only one show in town this week. So for God's sake, don't all rush out and buy toilet paper. <laughs> That start your week for Monday the 19th of October. Thanks for listening. Alex, thanks for getting up very early for this. There's a new daily every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday and Friday with the full panel edition of The Bunker on Wednesdays. Don't forget to review and rate us on Apple Podcasts. It's a big favour and it really helps. And if you want to support the show, search Patreon Bunker Podcast for all sorts of lovely benefits. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Have a good day, folks. The Bunker Daily was produced and presented by Andrew Harrison. The assistant producer was Jacob Archbold, and audio production was by me, Alex Reese. Theme tune by Kenny Dickinson. The Bunker Daily is a Podmasters production. <laughs> <laughs>